0: Hello, welcome to the podcast at Chesbro Baptist Church. We have a guest speaker today on the podcast, Brother Jeremy Adamson, had come and preached for us on this Sunday because I was out of town. And let me tell you something, every time Brother Jeremy comes and preaches at our church is phenomenal. I listened to this message on Facebook Live coming home from my vacation. It is such an awesome message. You're gonna get such a blessing today. Please enjoy. Good morning. Um, good to be back. Um, I think this is my second time this year. Um, I hope everybody, the Facebook and everything, can hear me. It's picking up the mic. Um, good to see everybody here. It's good to be back. We're going to turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 uh, and start there. 1 Timothy chapter 4. The question for the day, and it kind of... Um, I had an idea of what I thought I was going to talk about, and it became a very small portion of what the message is going to be. Because uh, as I started reading and studying, I kind of just in, re- in studying verses, God just kind of slapped me in the face with this one, and um, and I and I think it was good for me, and certainly, and I, I hope that everybody else will find it as a challenge and encouraging as well. Uh, but First Timothy chapter four, starting in verse one, it says, "Now the Spirit speaketh expressly." That, is, in the la- that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats with God, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Skip down to, chap- to verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, "...nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness." So now skip down into verse 12 through 16, it says, "...and let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine." Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying hands on of hands of the Presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day, Lord. We just thank you for... A place to come and worship, Lord, to hear from your word, Lord, to sing songs that praise you, Lord. And I just pray right now that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be upon us, be in this place, Lord, move upon each one of us and prick our hearts, Lord, as we each need fit individually, Lord. I just pray that you'll be with each and every one of us and be with me, Lord. Give me the words to say. In Jesus' name, amen. The, the question for the day, the question that kind of hit me was Neglect, knock the gift is in thee. Are we neglecting the gift that is in, within us? It says here in a couple of the verses verses down here, it says, talks about giving ourselves wholly unto these things. Give ourselves wholly unto the gift that we have within us. Give ourselves wholly unto the things of the Bible, unto the doctrine, unto, this, unto what we've been saved to do. But the point we need to understand before we start talking into the, into the sermon is we need to understand that the Bible at verse 16, chapter 4, verse 16 says, Take heed unto thyself. So a lot of times we as Christians, and I I probably say this a lot, but almost every time I get behind the pulpit, I try to give this reminder. Many times when we talk about take heat, when we we talk about a sermon, we take heat of what others are doing. We live in a society where we like to point at other people and find out what their faults are because it makes us feel good about ourselves. It makes us look good. But when we go to the Bible, we should never be going to the Bible to find out what everybody else is doing wrong. We need to find out what we're doing wrong and how it can touch upon our hearts and our lives and impress, impress upon us what we need to do. So, starting with that, are you neglecting the gift? The question is, are you neglecting the gift? Am I neglecting the gift? Well, what is the gift? Let's turn over to Acts chapter 2. There are a lot of verses today, I will warn you of that. um, More than I even typically do. But Acts chapter 2, verse 38. says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift is the Holy Spirit by the way of salvation. I think in large part that we neglect and overlook the Holy Spirit that is within us. When we are saved, we are blessed with the Holy Spirit. He is in us. He is there to give us. He is to be a guide. He is to help our spirit, and He is to to help us even when we're reading God's Word. He's helped us to interpret that. He's there to comfort us. He's there for many, many reasons. But I think in our spiritual growth many times we neglect the Holy Spirit that we have within us because we shut Him off and we quit, don't listen to Him or we just we live our own life and we get busy with the world and we get busy with what we're doing and we neglect us to, to hear His voice. Now, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? We've got we to break open the book. We've got to break open the Bible. Does that mean that the Holy Spirit can't speak without, while we're not reading the Word? No, but the Word has to be in us in order for the Word to come to life, in order for the Holy Spirit to use us. If we're not studying His Word, if we're not reading His Word, if we're not having the Word planted in our hearts, the Holy Spirit can talk to us, but it's not going to resonate the same way. So we need to understand the gift that we have. When we, be, when we become Christians, when we, we are saved, when we repent and confess of our sins, We are blessed with and given the Holy Spirit as a way to guide us and to help us and to keep us through this life, to help us battle the things of the flesh, to help us battle those those things that we deal with. The Spirit, it talked about the fear and rain and bringing the rain and the, the, the hard times we go through in the songs, that's what the Spirit's there for. The Holy Spirit is there to help us, to guide us, to comfort us through those things. And many times we ask for the help and we want it to magically happen, but that's not the way God works. We have to be in tune with the Spirit, we have to be not neglecting the Spirit prior to the the, the battles and the pains and the struggles and the sufferings and the fear. We have to be dealing with the Spirit and in, in communion with the Spirit in order for that not to, in order for that to happen, for Him to be there for us. Now turn over to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. says even so when we were in we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying Abba Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and a son than an heir of God through Christ. How be it then, when ye knew that God when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods, but now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? A couple of the songs talk about Jesus coming, Jesus setting us free from our bondage, Jesus setting us free. And this is the question that we ask, and there's a there's a verse in, the, in Proverbs that talks about a dog returning to his vomit. Um, because why is it that when we've been given freedom and we've been given from the, freed from the bondage of sin and the things that we've been set free from that we can live in victory and live towards the Holy Spirit, live towards Jesus Christ and live towards the heavenly things, why is it that we go back? Why is it that we return to the things that the earth has to offer, the, the, the temporary things as opposed to the eternal things? Why is it that we go back? He said, one of the passages of the Scripture in verse 9 I like, it says, But now after that you have known God, or rather you are known of God. I am known of God. It's not just that I know God. We know people a lot of times, many times. We know people that may be famous or may um, be well-known or may be popular or more. Be, maybe um, just everybody knows them. But everybody knows them. A lot of people know God, but God knows us. God knows who we are. God knows who we are better than we know us. And that's a special thing to understand. But looking in verse six, he had said, and because your sons, because you become God's, God's sons, he has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is our connection to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the way we can talk to God, the father, God, the son. Jesus, the Holy Spirit is who we have that connects us. So are we neglecting him? We're no, we, we know God and God knows us, but are we neglecting him? We're going to turn over to Colossians 2 and look at a couple of words that were given. Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6, says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, there's a warning beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the, the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. He warns here, he says, beware, lest any man spoil you. The world, Satan has used the world. Satan has used his philosophies and ideas of the world to spoil our relationship with the Holy Spirit. But we can blame Satan and we can blame the world, which we do often. Many times in the churches, we'll sit and we'll preach against what's going on in the world. We'll preach against what the world is doing. We'll preach against what Hollywood is doing. We'll preach against what um, government's doing. We'll preach against so many different things. But in the end, we're responsible for us. In the end, we are responsible to to understand and to separate ourselves from that. We are responsible to limit the effect that it has on us. But it says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. The problem is a lot of our spoiling comes from vain deceit we are we have this vanity of I'm the chosen one I'm of God I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian therefore I'm at a different value I'm at a different level than other people there is nothing about me being a Christian that makes me more valuable or more important than somebody who is not a Christian or not a believer there's nothing about somebody who has billions of dollars that makes them more valuable that has somebody who has negative fifty dollars it's just there is no value assigned there and that sometimes we get in our own heads we get in our own minds and, and we have these things in our life that we hold on to that give us vanity that give us pride they give us arrogance and we deceive ourselves in thinking that we are somebody that we are not and we we forget that we are fallen just as fallen as any other person um even though I'm saved, I'm as fallen as anybody else in, in society that's ever fallen. The worst, the worst of sinners, we could be seen as the same. Paul, one of the greatest apostles who uh, the largest portion of the Bible is written by, he said it. He said, he's the chiefest of sinners. How so when he was who he was, when he was used of God the way he was? So to put ourselves above that, but that's what we do as Christians many times. We, have, we are spoiled through philosophy and vain, vain deceit. We sometimes tend to think that because we study, because we know something that somebody else that knows, that that makes us smarter, that that makes us more intelligent. We may have knowledge that somebody else doesn't have, but one of the things that, I, I don't know where it came from, but one of the things that I have somewhere that is, the passing on of knowledge is the greatest act of compassion. That's why I think that the teachers are important. I think that people who teach in any, any setting, whether it be in a church service, whether it be in a Sunday school, whether it be one-on-one with their children, passing on knowledge is the most compassionate thing that you can do. What I do for a living, what I've done for a living for 20 years, being in financial services, 95% of my time is convincing people to let me educate them, to let me give them information. Because they think they know it. They think they have it figured out. I have people who come into my job and tell me how my job is supposed to be done. What my role is in my job. What I'm supposed to be doing. How the bank works. How they think the bank should work. That's fine. They can have that opinion. But I know for a fact, after 20 years of experience, I know what it does. I know why it does it. But just as a Christian, we should know how God works. We should know why he works. And a lot of times we get in our, we get in our own mind and we think that we know more and when we think we know everything, we can no longer learn. You cannot fill a full glass. You can't put anything else in it. So we have, to be, we have to understand. We have to get out of that mindset. We have to be willing to learn at any point in time for what God has to teach us. We have to get away from the traditions of men. He did not say get away from traditions. He said get away from the traditions of men. That is mankind. That is men meaning not God. We need to follow traditions that God gives us because that's what he sets in place to pass on to those below us, but those younger than us, those, that, those who are coming behind us. We, he gives us those traditions to pass it on. But we, we focus many times as Christians, we focus on what the world has and not on what Christ has. Go down farther in chapter 2 of Colossians into verse 20. And it says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world... That's the, the ideas, the philosophies of the world. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom, in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. It says here, we follow rules sometimes, we set up rules this sounds a lot like a lot, of, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians. We set up rules to make us feel better about ourselves. We set up rules, we set up ideas in order to make our flesh feel better, in order to make ourselves feel approved, in, make, make, in order to make ourselves se- feel valuable. The problem with those, in, is, the law is, or those ordinances or traditions are, we cannot keep those. We're going to break them, we're going to falter, we're going to fall. So if we set that as the bar and then we fall and we falter, what does that mean about us? Now we have to admit that we're fallen. Now we have to admit that we're not perfect. Now we have to admit that we're flawed. Now we have to admit, admit that we are wretched. Do you want to know my, my belief, my strong belief of what the majority of depression in the world is about today? And it is strictly in this issue. Because we have set up an unachievable, unattainable goal, an unattainable image of ourself in, in different areas. It happens in, uh, in physique, or if you will, body, you know, the build of a body. It happens in the looks. It happens in athletics. It happens in, It happens in business. It happens in finances. It happens everywhere else. We have an unattainable goal. We set a goal. We have this image of what it is to be. Uh, this person of, of value, we have a, something that's set up there, and we have these rules set up, and we think it. And that's what they call the rat race. We're t- constantly in society. We're trying to achieve the goals. That's why social media is as popular because people are trying to achieve popularity, people are trying to achieve fame, people are trying to achieve uh, monetary um, success. Do you know how many? They, so, with I see a lot of stuff recently, and they have um, with TikTok, social media. You know how many people in, early, in their early 20s have killed themselves? That were, They come out as this person committed suicide, but they were TikTok famous. They were known for being on social media sites. They didn't do anything. They didn't accomplish anything. They just got famous because they made funny videos or scary videos or whatever reason they were. They were TikTok celebrities because they were chasing an unachievable, unattainable goal. When they could not get it, or when they got what they thought was the goal, and it did not fulfill them, it was done. It was over with. It's not, it's not fulfilling. They ended it. And that's what we do a lot of times, even as Christians. The people walking away from the church is because the church sometimes itself, as an institution, but also us individuals as a church, has set up an unachievable, unattainable status of what we should look like and what perfection should look like when all actuality we should all look at ourselves individually and understand we're flawed and we're imperfect that does not give us that's not an excuse to sin that's an understanding that we are going to fall we are going to falter we're going to do wrong and we need to fix it and correct it when we do and then come back begging and pleading on our knees and asking God for forgiveness and repentance when we falter again but we have to understand and see ourselves as wretched and many of the times what is done and why we neglect the Spirit is because we're too busy pretending to be something that we're not. We're too busy following rules. We're too busy trying to elevate the flesh and create an appearance of wisdom. We try to create an appearance of wisdom in, in a self-imposed religion and a false humanity. Then it goes on and it talks about a couple of times the rudiments of the world. Satan, through the use of the world, through the use of... Um, Social media, through the use of Hollywood, through the use of politics, through the use of individuals in our own life, through the use of our own flesh, Satan has destroyed and shaped the way that we see God. It is hard to discern and hard to determine why or what is the differences, but humanistic philosophies and ideas have corrupted our mind and our our vision of things so poorly that we often see God through the eyes of unbelievers. We often see God through the eyes of people who do not know God. We allow the world to tell us, well, this is who your God is. People stand up, people who don't even know God will stand up on on TV or on um, somewhere, and they'll preach to us and tell us what our God wants us to do, who our God wants us to be, how our God wants us to act, how we are to behave and what our God believes. They tell us, they quote, we get quoted more Bible from non-believers nowadays, I think, than we do get from believers. And it's all twisted. It's all perverted. And that's because, but the problem is we let that sink in because we don't know God's Word well enough. We don't study God's Word good enough. We don't dig deep into it. We don't, and I'm not saying that everybody has to have the same level of depth of understanding of God's Word. But if we're not studying it at all, if we're not, if we're not asking God to show us what He wants us to see on a regular, consistent basis, then we are going to be corrupted. We're going to be perverted because we don't have that anchor. We don't have that root. We don't have that grasp of that. So we have to be, one of the ways that we're neglecting our gift is because we're not even interacting with our gift. We're not interacting with the Holy Spirit within us. Just, and you think about that. Just My dad taught me at a young age, there were things that we could not watch because it was just terrible. It was philosophy. And everybody else was watching it. But we couldn't watch it because it was the philosophy and it was bad. And growing up, I didn't know what he was talking about but I watch some of it now you hear one of the biggest things and everybody talks about look within within yourself that's where your strength comes from within you it's all within you that's garbage it's false but we as Christians buy into some of that that's like that's literally they the eastern religions have an eastern philosophy has taken that and corrupted it we're evil within us the only way that we have any goodness within us is through the Holy Spirit and his presence because we have been saved and we've asked we've repented and we have his guidance within us. So we have allowed Satan and the world to shape the way we see God. We have allowed Satan and the world to shape how we see the nature of who God is. The most important thing in a relationship, whether it's with your spouse, your children, whatever it may be, friends, the most important thing about a relationship is getting to understand who that person is. I don't care how many... um, Things you buy for somebody. I don't care how many um, I love you somebody says. I don't care how many acts of kindness they do for somebody. All of that should be done, but it shouldn't be done just for the sole purpose of maintaining the relationship. It should be done because of the love for that person. But we should also understand what they need. We should understand what makes that person click. My wife doesn't like me asking that question and trying to understand because sometimes I'll just directly ask it. She doesn't like it. She doesn't want to answer it. And be honest with you, she doesn't really think about it. She just, so she'd say, I don't know. And she doesn't know because I'm the one thinking about it, not her. I'm just trying to find the the secret pill that makes her happy when I want her to be happy, which is all the time. Because if she ain't smiling, I'm probably not in a good mood. It's just just the fact of the matter is. And I can promise you, if she ain't smiling, the rest of the house ain't smiling, except for Ashlyn. She's oblivious to it all. She's in her own world. But... But we have to understand getting to know the nature of the person is what's important. The problem with many Christians is we're too busy trying to find a rule book here and trying to find the secret to success and the, the, the specific guidelines that we have to follow. We're not developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We are neglecting the Holy Spirit. And that's where we, fla- that's where we are fa- flawed at. That's where we falter. That's where we come apart. But we have to do that. Otherwise, we're going to let somebody else tell us who God is. The world redefines and changes the way we see God, see his nature. Our, our perspective, our vision, our understanding has been corrupted and twisted, perverted. There's so many different ways that you can, words that you can use for that. But we have been, it has been destroyed. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. It says, and we're going, to read, we're going to actually read all the way down to the end of the chapter. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Again, that word deceit. And be, re- be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give back, give to him that needeth. That portion. I'm gonna stop right there just to kind of point that out. It says, "Let him labor." Working with his hands the thing which is good. Why? Say to make money, to get rich, to get wealthy. That's not what it says. It says, the thing working with his hands that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. We have spoiled the gift of the Holy Spirit because we neglected the gift. The gift is spoiled because we have neglected it. The Holy Spirit is grieved because we have neglected the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved. That grieve means there's a separation. There's a divide. There's a fellowship that's not there that should be. When I make my wife upset, there's a split there. It ain't, it's not everybody happy. There's a little bit. There's tension. Well, think about how much we reject the Holy Spirit, and you think about the tensions that's there. You can't walk as one. You can't walk in the Spirit if you're at odds with the Spirit. You can't walk with the Spirit if you continue to do things that offend the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But yet we continue to do so. But it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. It says, Put away the deceitful lust, lying. You can be angry, righteous anger, but that doesn't mean you can sin. And anger is not a sin. It's a loss of anger. It's a loss of control or the anger and sinning. We all do it. Do not give place to the devil. That's one of the warnings. Don't give place. There are many things. And growing up, I had a lot of standards. I had a lot of things that I was not allowed to do. And people, many times get mad at that and think that it's terrible to have these high, high standards because you're, uh, you're being overprotected or you're not being exposed, you're not getting this, you're not getting that. But if the standards are taught correctly, and if the standards are not taught as a way to achieve Christianity or to achieve um, being a special kind of Christian or a level of Christianity, if the standards are taught as being in place in order to not give Satan a foothold, that's what the standards are there for. There's, the standards are there to prevent you, to protect you, to keep you from whatever happens. That's what rules are there for. If we put arbitrary rules in place just to make us feel better about ourselves because we can, can, we can obey those rules, but other people can't. People do it all the time. One Christian will have their rules. They'll meet those rules. They'll follow those rules because it's easy for them to follow those rules. Another Christian will have a different set of rules, and they may have flaws in rules that don't, they don't each have different rules that they have, and so they can look at each other and judge each other. And there's a conflict because... They feel like they're better than that person because that person does something they don't. But they feel like they're better than this person because this does, person does something that they don't. And that's, that's the thing that we have to understand is we have to look at ourselves. But it says, do not give place to the devil. Still no more work to give, work to give, work to give, work to give. Not saying there's anything wrong with being wealthy. I would love to be wealthy one day. God has not seen fit to give me that challenge yet, but I have prayed for it and asked for it. He's not there yet. But work to give. No corrupt communication, corrupt communication, corrupt has a very broad definition. Gossip, true or not true, it's still gossip. Backbiting, backstabbing, poisoning the water of, you know, in in the, the mind of the way people are and who people are, talking poorly about somebody, defiling their reputation when it's not your business. I, we have a friend who used something, who has a statement that I said that I just, it's stuck in my head. If it's not your, it's not my story to tell. If it's not your story to tell, don't tell the story. Just keep your mouth shut. Just don't tell the story. And so corrupt communication, that could be language that makes you look other than godly, that offends Christ, that offends the spirit. Words that he find offenses, offensive. What we, everything that we do should be, Towards edification. It should be towards lifting people up. Put away bitterness. It's a difficult one. Bitterness comes in many shapes and sizes. Put away wrath. Put away anger. Clamor. Clamor, I had to look it up. I'm like, what are they talking about? Clamor just means something loud and noisy. It is something loud and noisy, obnoxious, controversial. Quit stirring up controversy. We, we needed that verse last year a lot. We needed it badly. Us as Christians, I'm not talking about what the world is doing. I'm talking about us as Christians, individual Christians. Evil speaking, malice, anger, hatred, um, wrathful speaking, wishing harm on people. Unfortunately, this last year, we needed that one too. Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 1. Next verse, we're going to read through 12. Be ye therefore followers of God and dear children, as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us, loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean persons, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, again deceit and vanity. They go hand in hand. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not be not ye therefore partakers with him. Don't partake in what the evil children of the world does, because you will also suffer the same wrath that they are suffering. That wrath is not meant for Christians, that wrath is meant for the disobedient. But we partake in what they partake in, therefore we receive the wrath that they receive. That is a complete sermon all on its own. And it says you' go find my spot now. "For ye were sometimes dark, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord." Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a, it is a shame even to speak those things which are done of them in secret. In these passages and verses it says, abstain from fornication. That is not the act, just the act. That is the mindset. That is the thought. That is the, the, the lust that you entertain. That is fornication. But it says, abstain from fornication, uncleanness. Just, that's not talking about taking a bath. That's talking about your mind, your thoughts, impurities. It happens. We're flesh. Those, mind, those thoughts pop into our head, but don't entertain them any further. And once you entertain them past a certain point, you need, we need to confess and make that right. But it says, abstain from covetousness, coveting. Desiring strongly what somebody else wants to where it affects our spirit and it affects our mind Sometimes we covet people who are Who are doing wrong Yet getting money and making money I see people daily who abuse system. Daily who commit crimes and do it Seemingly without having a second thought of guilt about it And do whatever they want to with the money that they get it is hard sometimes to not be jealous or covetous of what they have because they seem to be guilt-free. But in the end, they have to be dealing with that guilt. There has to be something they're dealing with. They cannot be peace at peace and happy when they're doing what they're doing. It talks about abstain from filthiness. That's foolish talking, jesting. That's belittling. Jesting is belittling, vulgarity. Foolish talking is nonsensical, just dumb, unintelligent, worthless, wasting your time conversation. That's not saying having a, you know, talking about the weather. That's talking about stuff that is opposed to God, that is anti-God, that is, and not in the sense that we're talking against God, but in the sense that it would not bring happiness to the Holy Spirit, not being happiness to who God is, not bring joy if God would not approve of it. But I, I mean, study that word because I, I was studying it some, but foolish talking jesting, things that are not convenient or things that are unfitting, unfitting of becoming a Christian, unfitting of, of being a Christian, unfitting of who God is, unfitting of being in the, rep, in the presence of, who, of God. It also says that I have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. How do we have fellowship with? We're around it, do what they do. Um, I'm not saying don't be friendly. I'm not saying don't have a relationship with people. I'm saying be careful how that relationship is acted upon. But it says not to have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Sometimes that fellowship we have with unfruitful works of darkness may be something we watch that we shouldn't watch because we're having fellowship, because we're sitting and partaking. We're becoming one. I know one of my kids, when he looks at a screen, he's glued. You can't remove him. Don't put your head down. Everybody knows who you are now. <laughs> but you glue, when, like, it's like this, and it's like, get your attention. But we do the same thing. We get engrossed in a show, engrossed in a book, engrossed in a in a line of gossip, engrossed in a conversation that we have no business being in. But yet we do it, and at that point we are in fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. We have grieved the Holy Spirit. And this one it still hits me. It's like it talks about no fellowship with there are things that are ashamed to even speak of that are done in secret. There are things that are done in secret because they were shameful that are now paraded down the street. And not just paraded, celebrated. Not just celebrated, demanded that we see it the way they see it. We've let that happen as Christians. That, they're going to do that. They're going to pursue that. That's, that's, Satan, that's nothing but Satan behind it. It's not the individual. Satan has that individual fooled. And he's done it, and we've let it happen because we weren't where we were supposed to be because we thought it was funny. Until all of a sudden it's getting shoved down our throats. It's not so funny anymore. It's not funny anymore. And it never should have been funny. What we have done, and I'll try to wrap it up here. What we have done is we have spoiled his truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We have added to his truth. We have taken away from his truth. We have neglected his truth. We have made his truth twisted to fit what we want it to be. We've allowed other people to twist his truth to make it what they want it to be. Truth stands alone. Truth has no agenda. Truth does not change because of emotions or feelings or circumstances. Truth is truth. If this society could grab that one thing and understand that truth is unwavering, truth is rooted It's established, it's anchored, it's steadfast. It doesn't buckle, it doesn't wave in the wind. It stands, it does not move. It is unbreakable, it is an immovable force. But we constantly try to move it, or we constantly try to take a piece of it with us. We constantly try to fit it into what we want it to be. And we have to find the truth. Well, the only truth is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He is the truth. If we want truth, we go to him. We have spoiled his love. First John chapter four. We've got a couple verses left. First John chapter four, verse seven it says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love." I had other verses I was going to read farther down. God is love. He is love. He loves unconditionally. Love is an action. Love is an attitude, and love is no respecter of persons. I don't care if it's wealth. I don't care if it's lack of wealth. I don't care if it's popularity. I don't care if it's successful. I don't care if it's good at whatever they do. I don't care if it's somebody in rags. I don't care if it's somebody who's dirty. I don't care if it's somebody who's smelly. I don't care if it's somebody who smells good. I don't care if it's somebody who's healthy. I don't care if it's somebody who's fit. Love is no respecter of person. God's love. God is love. His love is... Is no respect of persons. It is to every single person the same exact amount of love. So if we are treating or not loving somebody differently than what God is loving them, then we are grieving the Spirit. We are grieving the Holy Spirit. We are spoiling His love. We have perverted the word of love. We have perverted the concept of love. We've made it cheap. We've made love negotiable. I will love them, but I fell out of love because they didn't do this, and they didn't do that, and they didn't do this relationships fall apart because we blame the other person and we fell out of love because that person didn't do something. That's not love. I understand love is complex. But when we think about the love of God, and I'm not talking about where we were and what we did, I'm talking about where we are right now from this moment forward. Let's not spoil His love. But we perverted the word and concept of love. We made it cheap. We've made it negotiable. We've made it limited. And worst of all, we've made it self-serving. We love because we want to be loved, we love because we want something, or we love because we get something. We've made it self-serving. And last of all, we have spoiled his justice. Justice is righteous, justice is just. Justice in the center of his will, of God's will. Justice is in the center of good. Justice is his doctrine. Justice is his truth. It is incorruptible. We don't understand what justice is in this world today because that word has been completely perverted, completely corrupted in our churches and in the world. Justice is to do what is right at that situation, applying all the principles that can be applied. There's only one just person, only one righteous person that ever walked the face of the earth, and that is Jesus. So if we do justice, out, so every time we seek to do justice and to see what is just, we should be looking in His word, which is Him. This is the spoken word of Christ. We should be Communing with the Holy Spirit to give guidance to this word. And we be, should be seeking the face of God in order to understand what justice is. Deuteronomy 32, and I'll read this will be the last verse. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4 through 6. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? We spoiled his justice. It says he is perfect. All of his ways are judgment. He's a God of truth without iniquity, just and right. They, the world, mankind, humanity, have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and crooked generation. That was way back at the beginning of time. Where are we now? We have spoiled his justice. We have spoiled his love and we have spoiled his truth.